The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. This morning I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I invite you to open up your Bibles and turn to that passage and follow along as I read, remembering that this is the living and active Word of God. It is the truth, and it is a precious gift. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the gracious word of God for the people of God this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we are humbled by your grace, thankful for your word, excited to worship you. May you pour out your spirit upon us, giving us insight into the precious truths that you have given to us. Apply them to our hearts and lives. Reign in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How well do you understand Christianity? What comes to your mind when you think of what it means to be a Christian? What do you believe about God and how He relates to you? Important questions to consider. And J.I. Packer, in his well-known book, Knowing God, writes these words. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity... Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Well, this morning I want to look at five aspects of our adoption in Christ from Galatians chapter 4 with the prayer that it will inspire our worship and shape our entire outlook on life. So the first thing we see in this passage is that our adoption in Christ is God's plan. 
God's plan. If you look at verse 4, you'll read the phrase, but when the fullness of time had come. That phrase tells us that Jesus arrived upon the scene of human history at the time previously fixed by God the Father. This was God's plan. It was his idea. It was the plan that God thought up that would bring him the most glory. This is something that God thought of in advance. Now, if you know me, you know this was not the Troy de Bruin way. This was not some last-minute thought. God is not a procrastinator. He's not a last-minute planner. He's not a youth pastor who flies by the seat of his pants. He is the ultimate advance planner. He is better than Pat Bleeker, as hard as that may be to believe. He's even better than Dr. Rogers. They're both pretty good. Me, not so much, but I have help. Anna does great. But God made this plan before you were even born, before the world was created. God tells us in his word in Ephesians 1 that he chose us. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. God planned our adoption before the world was even created. There's some members of our Westminster family who are planning an adoption. Greg and Rebecca Robinson are making plans to go to Ethiopia and adopt a little girl, Haven. And they have been making all kinds of plans. Fixing up the nursery in their home. Getting plane tickets people to go with them to Ethiopia, people to stay home and watch their other two boys. They have planned for Haven's adoption, and they began planning it before she was even born. This is what God has done for us. He planned our adoption. So the first thing that we see here in Galatians 4 about our adoption into God's family through Jesus Christ is that it was God's plan. And God chose you for adoption before you were even born. This means that your adoption in Christ is not based on how cute you are. It's not based on your worth, your fitness, your personality, what you bring to the table. It's not based on anything in you. It is rooted in God's eternal purpose and grace and character. Our adoption in Christ is God's eternal plan. The second thing we see in our patches this morning is that our adoption is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. It is through Jesus Christ. We could never achieve adoption or enter God's family on our own. The doctrine, the gospel of adoption challenges us, first of all, to recognize ourselves as spiritual orphans. We were outside the family of God with no resources of our own to change our situation. We were completely hopeless. Verse 3 tells us that we were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Verse 5 says we were under the law. Under the law, we were slaves to sin. We had rejected God. We were living our lives independently of God. We were trying to run things our own way in His world, trying to make our own way into His family. But Paul's message to the Galatians and to us today is clear. Chapter 2, he tells us that no one, no one will be justified. No one will be made right with God. No one will be adopted into God's family 
by works of the law, by the good things that we do. And the churches of Galatia needed to hear this message. Because although Paul had been with them, and he had preached the gospel to them, in his absence, they were quickly falling back into a works-based religion. They were telling the Gentiles, the outsiders, that they must be circumcised, they must keep the law, they must become like them, the Jews, in order to be saved, in order to be a full member of God's family. But God's Word tells us that when we try to earn our way into heaven, when we try to earn our way into God's family by what we do, we are actually only distancing ourselves more and more from God. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, that when we do this, we are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. And that is not a place that you want to be. Our, the Bible's description of our condition in that state is condemning and it is clear. Ephesians 2, God's word says we were dead in our sins. We were sons of disobedience. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were not God's people, but we were children of the devil. We were infinitely guilty before an infinitely holy God, facing the just condemnation of the law, eternal separation from God forever in hell, and there was nothing that we could do to rescue ourselves or make God want to adopt us. But thanks be to God, that is not the end of the story. Verses 4 and 5 tell us that God intervened into human history. That He sent forth His Son to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. This tells us that God's plan of adoption through Jesus Christ is costly. It costs God the life of His only begotten Son. His own Son, Jesus Christ, would have to die in order for God to take unlovely, ungodly rebels and make them His children. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, was born under the law. He was born as a Jew, and as such, he was bound to keep the very law that he himself had written, and he did. He humbly kept it all. Jesus was without sin. As God, he never did anything wrong. He always did everything right. He fully and perfectly kept the law for us. And he also willingly and sacrificially suffered the punishment that we deserved for our breaking of the law. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Elsewhere, God tells us in his word that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. Brothers and sisters, what is your response to such a sacrifice, such a cost? It's desperate people sing, let your praises ring, glory to the Lamb that was slain. No, we need to hear this message as well. It's not just for the churches of Galatia, it's for us today. Because apart from Christ, we are all spiritual orphans And just like physical orphans, we are without a home. 
without a family. You know, physical orphans who are never adopted will often try to create their own home, their own place of acceptance, their own meaning and value, and they will often turn to destructive behaviors in search of that. A lifestyle of drugs and alcohol or sexual immorality or or a lifestyle of crime. These elementary principles of our world. They may provide a brief respite from the ache in their hearts for a home. They may provide temporary pleasure. But they only bring lasting destruction and death. They multiply the pain and the hurt and the isolation that orphans feel. These things are tools in the hand of our enemy to lead us away from our true home in God. But what about you this morning? How are you trying to find your way into God's family? Maybe you're here today and you don't think you need to be part of God's family. You can do life on your own. But God did not design your life to be lived in isolation and independence of him without God. And for those who choose to reject God and the adoption that is offered through Jesus Christ, they will find that it leads to an eternity of pain and loneliness, of isolation and separation from the God who made them and offers them perfect love and acceptance. If you're here this morning... And you don't think you need to be part of God's family. May you humble yourself. Recognize your need for God. Come to the one who at great cost to himself made it possible for you to be adopted into his family today. Or maybe you're here today and you're trying to earn your way into God's family. To do it on your own as the Galatians were. You know, you might not be pursuing the pleasures of this world that so obviously fall short, but you may be pursuing entrance into God's family through your own morality, through your own efforts, through your own good behavior, through your own hard work, through your own financial success, through your own upright standing within a church. Whatever the case may be, may you recognize the truth of the words we sang earlier. No merit of my own. His anger to suppress. My only hope is found in Jesus' righteousness. His grace has planned it all. It's his mind, but to believe and recognize his work of love and Christ receive. The only way to be part of God's family is to be adopted into it. There are no natural born children of God. Our adoption is only possible through the work of Jesus Christ through his substitutionary life, through his sacrificial death, and through his glorious resurrection on our behalf. For not everyone is a child of God. God offers you adoption into his family this morning, but it is only through Jesus Christ. Well, the third thing we see here in our passage about our adoption in Christ is that our adoption is the goal of redemption. It is the goal of redemption. Verse 5 tells us that the reason Christ redeemed us, the reason that Christ bought our freedom when he died on the cross, was not only so that we could be forgiven and made right with God, but so that we might receive the adoption as sons. It was so that God could gather us into his family 
So we could enjoy the full privileges of being his sons and his daughters. You know, there's another member of our Westminster family pursuing an adoption right now. Corey and Stephanie Kimball are on the path to adopt a little girl from Ukraine. And they are going through all kinds of tests and interviews and evaluations and home studies and paperwork and background checks and financial sacrifice. And they are not doing all of that just so that this little girl can be freed from the orphanage, but so that they can bring her home and make her a part of their family. This, for us, is what God has done. For us, God went beyond redemption to adoption. He has turned slaves into sons. Adoption is the goal of our redemption. Well, the fourth thing we see about adoption in this passage is that adoption brings immediate and eternal blessings. We see this in verses 5 through 7. If you're thinking he's already on point 4, we're going to be done soon. No, we're not. Um, And there's three aspects that we have here that I want to point out in verses 5 through 7. And the first one's going to take a long time, and the next two will be short. So if you're keeping track, uh, we will be done today. But if you look at verses 5 through 7... First, we see adoption bringing immediate and eternal blessings. The first thing that we see is that we have received adoption as sons. Now, the word sons was used here because in that day, at that time, only the sons, only males, only boys could receive the inheritance. But the good news for us today is that in Christ, now there is neither male nor female. Through Christ, we all, men and women, boys and girls, sons and daughters, can receive the full right of inheritance. And the word that Paul uses here for adoption comes from the Roman practice of his day, where a man may not have had a biological son. And so as he neared the end of his life, he looked at his inheritance and his name, and there was no one to carry it on, and he wanted it to continue on. And so he would choose another male, often one of his slaves, And he would adopt him as his son so that his name could be carried on to give him the inheritance. This adoption was a legal declaration. It was a change in status. The person was no longer a slave, but a son. And this is what our adoption in Christ is. It's a change in status. It is irreversible. It's not based on anything that we have done. But it is dependent entirely upon the gracious choice of God. It's a declaration that God makes about us. Where he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. Today, I welcome you into my family. When God does this, our old family ties are broken. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath, but we are so no longer. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. We are members of his household. We belong to God. Our old obligations, our old debts are canceled. We are no legally bound to the burden of guilt or the sinful way of life that we lived as non-Christians. This debt has not just been overlooked, It has been paid in full when Jesus Christ took it away from us, nailing it to the cross in his own body on the tree. We 
who were once enemies of God, are now beloved children of God. Only because Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, bore the wrath of God in our place. This is incredible. Think about what it means to be a child of God, a full member of His family. At its most basic, it means that God loves you. God loves you as His child. Meditate on those three simple words that you've heard so many times before. But one word at a time. God. The God who is holy, holy, holy. The God who reigns in the heavens. Who is almighty and sovereign. Who does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. And no one can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? The eternal God who holds in His hands the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. The God who is infinite and eternal and unchangeable. This God loves you. God loves you. He loves you with a love that is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. He loves you. He is always seeking your good. He is 100% committed to you for all eternity. He loves you. He rejoices over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. He loves you. He has brought you into the eternal fellowship of the Trinity. He loves you. You do not have to fear, for He has redeemed you. He calls you by name. You are His. When you pass through the waters, He will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you, for He loves you. He is the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He gave His Son as a ransom for you, in exchange for your life, because you are precious in His eyes and honored, and He loves you. This God loves you. Though you were wicked, and you rebelled against Him, and you would still run from Him today if He did not pursue you, He loves you Personally, He calls you by name. He created you. He formed you. He fashioned you in your mother's womb. He chose you before you were born. This God loves you. you know, adopted children sometimes have trouble believing that they are loved. And so do we. We tend to think like the prodigal and, and we focus on our sins and our failures, and we think we can only relate to God as a slave or as a servant. But as sons and daughters, we no longer have to be afraid of God. We do not have to fear that He will stop loving us or that He will punish us if we sin. God is infinitely better than the best of all human fathers. He does not love you because you are lovable. He does not love you because of what you do for Him. He loves you because you are His. 
You belong to him. He has made you his own child through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and he is 100% committed to you for eternity. If you have come to him through Christ, you will always be his child. As God's child, you do not have to perform to earn his acceptance or his love or his approval. You are already completely loved and accepted as God's sons and daughters. The person who knows and believes that he is a beloved son does not do good to earn his father's acceptance. He does good because his father loves him. And he loves his father. And he wants to please him. Well, there's more good news to this. There is even more good news because not only Do we know this God as our Father? Not only does He love us, but there is more for us to think about and exalt in as we meditate on what it means to receive the adoption as sons. Think of this. This means that Jesus, Jesus is not only the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the Almighty, Jesus is not only the creator of all things, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is not only the bright and morning star, the king of glory, the resurrection and the life, our savior, our Messiah, our redeemer. Jesus is not only the one before whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, but Jesus is now also your brother. You are united to him forever. May the Holy Spirit impress the treasure of that truth upon your hearts this morning. Now, we've been given a hint of what that means in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you remember the scene in Matthew chapter 28 when Mary and Mary are running to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus? And they come and the angel appears and says, he's not here, he's risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. And they see he's not there and they're leaving, they're running and Jesus appears to them and he says to them, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and I will see them there. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. But think about what he's saying. Who's he talking about? The disciples. And what did the disciples do the last time Jesus had seen them? Every one of them to a man had deserted him And ran away and denied him. But what did Jesus do? He did not say, go and tell them why did they desert me. No, he said, go and tell my brothers. This is what Jesus says to you today. There's a powerful song out today by 3rd Avenue North. Which if you're over 18, you probably haven't heard. But it does have a great chorus. And it says this. You are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. And we say, yes, amen, hallelujah. You are more because you have Jesus as your elder brother. You've received adoption as sons. You have a new identity. 
It's no longer found in your poor choices and your past mistakes and the problems that you create. No, Jesus has taken care of your sin. He has gotten it out of the way so we can have him and he can have us. Through our adoption in Jesus Christ, we are members of God's forever family and nothing can change that ever. Jesus will now always be our brother. Brothers and sisters, this is incredible good news. In fact, if this is not the best news that you have ever heard, you can be sure that you have misunderstood it or I have miscommunicated it. Our adoption brings immediate and eternal blessings. We also receive the spirit of his son. And we are able to cry out, Abba, Father. See, God sent his son to make us his children, to adopt us into his family. But then he also sent his spirit to let us know that we really are his children because God knew that we would have doubts. He knew we would think this is too good to be true. He knew we'd have an adversary who would attack us and discourage us. So he sent his spirit to let us know we really are his children. Now, how do we know God is our father? It's not by anything we do. Your sonship is based entirely on the redemption that is accomplished by the Son of God. And God's Spirit confirms this by enabling you to call God Father. Servants and slaves can only say Lord. But sons are able to say Abba, Father. That word Abba, It's a term of respect as well as a term of endearment. It means dear dad or dearest father. You can cry out, Abba, Father, dear dad, to the God of the universe. To cry out, what that word means is it describes a cry of the heart, the most intense feeling. It's the very word that Jesus used in the hours before his death. You may remember that scene as well. Mark chapter 14. Jesus is in the garden and he's praying intensely as he faces the prospect of suffering for the weight of your sin. And he says, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. See, Jesus was about to go through the greatest trial and suffering that anyone will ever go through. And what did he do? He cried out to his dearest father. And at the same time, he trusted him and he yielded to his plan. And you can do the same in your distress and your times of suffering. Because, as the Heidelberg Catechism reminds us, the eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ is your God and father because of Christ, his son. You can trust him so much That you do not doubt he will provide whatever you need for body and soul. And he will turn to your good whatever adversity he sends you in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Almighty God is your dearest Father. You can cry to Him. 
in your distress. He will hear you. He will carry you. He will be with you. He will not leave you as an orphan. He will work all things for His glory and for your good. Brothers and sisters, this is a God you can trust your life with. You can give thanks to in all circumstances. You can trust in His steadfast love. You can rejoice in His salvation. You can sing to Him because He has dealt bountifully with you. And He will always, in love and righteousness, deal bountifully with His children. You can trust Him because you are an heir to all His precious promises. And that's the third aspect of these immediate and eternal blessings that we receive in our adoption in Christ. Verse 7 says we are heirs. We are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God is now your father, and you are now heirs of God. Here in Pennsylvania, when adoption is legally finalized, the family goes to court before a judge. And the court will decree that hereafter the child shall have all the rights of the new family, all the rights of a child, an heir of the new family, and have their name. It's almost as if they're taking it straight from the doctrines of Scripture. Well, David and Anne Ensman are another Westminster family who have adopted, who went to China and brought home Katie, who is now their daughter. She has taken their name, Katie Ensman, before She did not have a father, but now she can call David father, dad, daddy. She is their heir. She has all the rights as their daughter. As much as Eric and Alex are their sons, she is their daughter. And they are committed to loving her and providing for her and caring for her. As an heir of God, you have all the rights and privileges of a child of God. You will receive an inheritance from God, the King of the universe. That includes all the family wealth of God. And God owns everything. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then the heirs of the Lord will inherit the earth and everything in it, all things. But it will be a new heaven and a new earth. One without sin, without pain, without suffering. So now listen to this. Instead of receiving the justly deserved wrath of God, you will graciously be given the wealth of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you kidding me? This is incredible. Our inheritance also includes redeemed and glorified bodies. So our lowly, decaying, dying bodies will be transformed. They will be redeemed. They will be made like Christ's glorious body. This means there will be no more cancer. There will be no more blindness. 
There will be no more memory loss or broken bones or struggles with depression or addiction or headaches or sleepless nights or chronic pain. And while all that is good, the glory of it all is that we'll be able to enjoy God more fully and more deeply because that is the true riches of our inheritance. We get God. We will see Him as He is and be with Him forever. Amen? Well, the fifth thing that we see here about our adoption in Christ is that it does not end with us. Our adoption in Christ does not end with us. We have been redeemed for adoption. Or you might say we have been adopted to adopt. And while this is not a direct command from our passage this morning, it is a direct implication and application of the doctrine of our adoption in Christ and of the overall commands and teachings of God's Word. Turn to James chapter 1, and you'll see James, the brother of Jesus, writing God's Word, saying that to care for widows and orphans is the essence, the heart of pure and undefiled religion. Paul, under the inspiration of God in Ephesians 5, will say, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We who have been adopted in Christ, we are compelled to live a life of love. We are compelled to be imitators of God our Father. And one very practical way we can imitate God is by adopting children. Caring for the physical orphans in this world. Brothers and sisters, it is the calling, the responsibility, the privilege of the family of God, the bride of Christ, the church, to show the world what God is like, what we have experienced in our own adoption in Christ by caring for physical orphans in the world. Now, I'm not saying that this means that every single person, every single follower of Christ is called to adopt or to foster a child. But every child of Christ is called to care for orphans. This is God's plan. It's not an add-on. And God in His grace and mercy has given a diversity of gifts to His church to make this happen. So what does that mean? I think it means that some of you will be called to adopt a child to bring another child into your home as a way of showing the world what God is like and what God has done for you. And if God leads you in that way, He will supply the resources and the grace to do so. No, perhaps today is the day when the Holy Spirit will move on your hearts to take that next step. Some of you have probably already been thinking about adoption, wondering about it, praying about it, and maybe today is when the Holy Spirit will say, okay, it's time to start moving towards it. Perhaps go to an informational meeting with an adoption agency. Just take that next step and see where the Lord might lead. Some of you might not be gifted or called by God to bring a child into your home, but maybe God has gifted you financially with great resources so you can partner with a family to provide a home for a child. There might be a family that wants to adopt but doesn't have the resources to do so. And maybe you would partner together as brothers and sisters in Christ, recognizing this world is not our home. We belong to God. 
Some of you can provide support to a family by babysitting or providing meals or just being a friend and loving them and praying for them. Serving in the nursery or the Sunday school here and caring for these children, making them feel welcome, making them feel part of our church family, as many of you are already doing. Some of you might consider serving as foster parents or sponsoring children through Compassion or MTW Street Child Ministry. Or some of you might support Jeb Bland and his work in Haiti with an orphanage there. And, and just this coming Saturday, he's taking a team to work with those children. You could pray for them as they go to hug and rock and sing to orphans who may never have a home. But all of us can pray. All of us can pray specifically and urgently for orphans all over the world. Well, our final word this morning is this. Adoption is for God's glory. God adopted us in our unworthiness. Not because we were great, but because He is great. To make His grace look great. To magnify His glory and His grace. And so we now, as an overflow... As an application of our adoption in Christ, we lovingly live out our pro-life worldview by caring for the fatherless, the orphans in the world. Not to make ourselves look good, not to earn God's favor, not even because the need is great, but we do it to show the world what our great God and Father is like, to magnify His greatness to the praise of His glorious grace. What a privilege. What a joy. Amen. God, we are humbly grateful that we can call you Father, that we know you as your children through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray for those here this morning who may still be outside your family, that they would run to you, the God of mercy and grace and love, and that you might bring them in. Lord, do a mighty work amongst us, your people, for your glory, that the surrounding community would know that you are God, that you are an adopting God, that you are a gracious God, that they would give you praise and bow before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.